Welcome to episode 20 of the Life Coaching with Ryan podcast. Today, I conclude my conversation with Mary Shores, author of Conscious Communications, and we talk about concrete steps in order to move forward in your life. So knowing that you have a very limited amount of time, and we really like we really ran with this stuff, <laughs> we could probably talk for another hour, um, but I know you only have like 10, 15 minutes. Um, so I'd love to kind of bring it home talking about now that we've address some of our barrier beliefs and we're moving ourselves to a new normal how do we how do we push ourselves to that next level how do we move ourselves forward and it's funny because you bring up fry green tomatoes and the main character having this alter ego tawanda and uh i just wanted to know do you what what did you call your like did you create a character avatar for yourself did you create a name for yourself to help you kind of break through what you had going yeah. on I did, I did, but I didn't know I was doing it. So everything, everything in the book is really as a result of something that I went through or I heavily, heavily researched. Um, so mine was, it goes right back to that, that story about when I was um, on the massage table trying to change my thoughts and that whole concept of unconditional love and support. So I had already always chosen as my avatar or my archetype, um, I would say, I think in the book I said Scarlett O'Hara, but the reality was it was actually a hybrid and I, I encourage people to choose a hybrid if they would like. It was a hybrid between Jessica Rabbit and um oh my god that suits you so well i know i was gonna say you're you're lucky because you're one of the only people you've met me in person so uh -huh. you can probably see that um oh my god yes yeah because <laughs> yeah because i'm super i'm like five foot ten um so yeah jessica rabbit and scarlett o'hara was my hybrid and and here's what's important to understand like i love jessica rabbit um, because Jessica Rabbit is this like tall, gorgeous, glamorous female um, who can get any man she wants. And I am not calling myself a tall, gorgeous, glamorous female or that I can get any man I want. But the important thing is that she chose Roger Rabbit because it was very important for her to support him and his mission. And that is something I'm all about. Like, as far as the masculine and the feminine, I definitely see my role in the feminine of like understanding that if I can support the masculine in a certain way, he's going to show up and do massively great things in life. That's not taking anything away from me. I, I was going to say, let's, let's accept for a moment that you are a CEO <laughs> in a right. very challenging industry who is able to leverage her own masculine principles to great effect. And so this is, we're not talking about taking a back seat to a man. We're mm -hmm. talking about you understanding that for you, because everyone's different, for you, part of right relationship is supporting the masculine in your partner with your own feminine principles. That's just your, that's right relationship for you. That's right. And who would have ever thought we'd be talking about the masculine and feminine and Jessica Rabbit in the same, in the same sentence. But the other hybrid of this was Scarlett. So, you know, Scarlett O'Hara, she was the epitome of everything I ever wanted to be. I mean, look at her. She's gorgeous. She's business brilliant. I swear she can just look at a man and he's going to empty his wallet to her. And I mean, every female wants to have that super or I don't know. I'm just, that's a joke. I don't actually mean that. But um, Scarlett is just, because she was so fierce 
and business brilliant and like would show up. So like when uh, Melanie is having that baby, you know, and she just had to be there. She had to show up. She had no choice. There was so much of my life that mirrored that. Well, what happened was I realized how much of my life really was a reflection of Scarlett because I always had all these chaotic circumstances around me. And the truth is like Scarlett as brilliant and as, as beautiful as she may be, her life was nothing but drama and stress and day-to-day life or death situations. And so in that moment, when I realized that, I, I remember, and this was so clear to me, I, I literally said, I am done being Scarlet. From now on, I will be Dorothy. Because Dorothy had the power all along. Dorothy had the unconditional love and support of the Tin Man, the Lion, and the Scarecrow. Yeah. And with that, she, she could accomplish, she didn't need, she didn't need all the business brilliance. She had everything inside of her that she needed. And that is what made her such a powerful creator. And that is what makes me such a powerful creator. The important thing about this exercise and Ryan, hopefully you've thought about who you would be, but it's that whoever you choose is actually a reflection of whoever you are. Right. So that that's already in you. Yeah, we're talking about dimensions of self. I talk a lot about dimensions of self. You know, when you're looking at this avatar, it's not because you're you're uh, taking on traits that aren't yours from some other person. It's seeing them in yourself and bringing them forward. It is. It's actually a way of being more honest with yourself, not being less honest with yourself. And putting that person in charge. So if you've seen the movie Fried Green Tomatoes, we all see the amazing transformation that the Kathy Beatty character goes through. You know, she goes from being this middle-aged, unfulfilled housewife to really owning her power in a big way. And that's when she puts Tawanda in charge because Tawanda is the opposite of who she actually is. But, you know, and how she's acting anyway, how she's she's acting. She had to unleash that inner Tawanda. Well, we all have that person. Um, And it's, it's not going to be Tawanda for every single one of us. But like my friend Rocky one day um, went right when I, again, synchronicities, the, the way life happens when you're writing a book, I was writing this chapter and I was trying to figure out how to really tell this story and how important it is. Well, my friend Rocky calls me one morning, it was like seven o'clock in the morning. And he's like, Mary, I'm so excited. And I'm like, what's going on? And he goes, I finally put Braveheart in charge. And see, I knew exactly what he meant because um, I know him through my uh, Tony Robbins community. And when you go to the Date with Destiny event, there's a portion in the event where he has all the men screaming the freedom chant from the movie Braveheart. And it's, mm. and it rocks the building. It's like thunder. It's, it's such a, an amazing experience to hear these men screaming and chanting the word freedom. And you really feel it in every cell of your body. And so when he said that to me, Mary, I put Braveheart in charge. I knew exactly what he was talking about because when he put Braveheart in charge, the most important thing was freedom. And for him, the way to get freedom was I'm going to wake up at 6 a.m. I'm going to start making my calls. He was doing some real estate investing. I'm going to start making my calls. I'm going to have created a massively powerful day before 7 a.m. even hits. And it worked. It totally worked. He 
transformed everything in his life within a few short weeks because he put Braveheart in charge. Yeah, there was a great uh, passage where you said, how does it benefit you to affirm a reality you don't want to expand? <laughs> so, That's a good one. Yeah, you, you're full of good ones in here, man. Um, it, it was, that was also very powerful to me because when you keep telling yourself the same story, like for example, your Scarlett O'Hara story, you're like, I'm Scarlett O'Hara. Oh my God, look at all the drama in my life. You know, it's like Dr. Phil saying, would you rather be right or be happy? I don't know that he said that originally, but um, it's famously attributed to him. You know, that there's this tendency that we think we need to continue to do what we're doing, right? Like I talk about defensiveness and negativity as forms of self-protection. And you actually mentioned that that's, you're kind of harming yourself and the person you're talking to when you stay in that state. Um, mm -hmm. It's also, I think, very self-limiting to think that you have to be a certain way in order to solve a problem. It's like you don't trust yourself to do it any other way. Um, you know, you like somehow you can't handle difficult situations. So you have to keep yourself disempowered and, and out of that, out of that challenge where instead you could be putting energy into, well, how could I? And that's another thing you mentioned is um, if you want to look for a good affirmation, look at your negative self-talk and then ask a question about it. You know, I am not a writer. How can I become a writer? I am not love supported. How can I receive or request love and support? You know, we, we, have, we need these opportunities to expand our current sense of reality. That's so true. So brilliant. <laughs> Aren't you brilliant? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's, your, it's, it's your way of presenting it that I think no. is just amazing. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I, I think it's important to, uh, I call myself a synthesizer. I, I like to look at multiple people's concepts and see where they connect and then kind of build a new molecule out of it and be like, oh, this is, where they, this is how they support each other and this is how they bring each other up. Um, just like the cleanse and clog, you know, um, in, in the uh, self-development class I was talking about before was based on the uh, Toltec practices. And in the Toltec practice, they talk about um, the shaman is not someone who like goes out and gains a new power. A shaman is someone who stops giving away their power. And as they are able to become more and more of a reservoir of power, that is how they work their magic. And that's so true because you can totally think about, you can totally think about every time you're making a choice in that clog column, you're giving away your power. Whereas every time you're making a choice that moves you one inch one mile, one block more towards your goal, then you're increasing your power. Absolutely. It's just the same thing, leaning against that circle until it becomes a spiral. Each of these little choices empower us. And, and just imagine all the negative thoughts you're having that I, I think of it as bleeding. You know, like, don't you want you, all your blood in your body? Every time you think a negative thought, it's like bleeding a little bit. Or every time you're worried about that friend, you're bleeding a little bit. Every time you're, you, know, you loop into some negative thought, that's energy you could be using towards your goal, and instead you're just stuck thinking over and over and over again. Creating more, creating more barriers in your life. If you think about like kind of spinning off of this Toltec thing, um, which outside of reading the four agreements, I know nothing about. So I can't pretend to be a, an expert at Toltec wisdom, but I do, do like it and appreciate it. Um, what I would say is like, if you think of how much power you have as that iceberg and you know how with the iceberg, whenever you see the pictures, it's like you only see you can only see the tip of the iceberg sticking out of the water. Well, that's like us as humans. Like we only see this body. We only see, you know, this, this version of Mary Shores. But like 
that's the tip of the iceberg of the power that I really have. Because the power that I, I am really capable of and that I can yield at any moment as soon as I believe in it is to understand that's all of that that's hidden. It's hidden below the water, below the surface where you can't see it, but you can certainly tap into it. Yeah, it's all that potential that you're not feeding. And I could go back to the karma concept. Um, there's this idea of karma as seeds and there's seeds that you plant and there are seeds that you're born with and there are seeds that you can choose. It's kind of the nature and nurture thing, but it's, it goes beyond nature and nurture because it's also what we choose to nurture in our thoughts. So when you, it's, it's, it's the same thing as what wolf is going to win the evil wolf or the good wolf Well, the one you feed is the mm -hmm. one that's going to win. It's, it's, it's the same thing, right? So all these different metaphors for the same idea that it ultimately comes down to where am I putting my energy and that's what's going to make it flourish. And so to wrap this whole thing up, I want to talk about your menu idea and I want to talk about the market price item on the menu because I, again, I just thought it was so cool. This idea that uh, obviously I love, I love metaphor, <laughs> but um, you know, Right now, if the menu on your life is shit sandwich, um, terrible drama, uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera, you kind of want to change your menu up. And it's valuable not only to consider whatever your top 10 things might be that you want to accomplish in your life or that you want to be different in your life or whatever, but to put a stretch goal on there, to put a market price you know, menu item, the one that has no dollar sign next to it, you have no idea how much it's going to cost you know it's going to be expensive, but there's a lot of value to it. What I want to tie that into this idea of your one-page action plan to just kind of bring us back to the idea that action is greater than belief. How do you take an, a thing in your life that just feels so massive, but you know the value of going over ma after massive goals, even if it takes an entire lifetime to get there. How do you take the enormity of something like that and bring it down into an action plan? So if it is, you know, action plans, um, and it, if, if people in the book club are reading the book, then there's, there's the last chapter is about writing a one-page action plan. And this came about, this concept came about because when I was 24 years old and starting my first business, um, do you think I was sitting down writing an action plan? I mean, I was still living off ramen noodles. In those days, <laughs> I was say, right? seat of your pants, making it happen by the seat of your pants. There was no way I could even comprehend what a business plan even was, let alone write one and take it to a banker or whatever. You know, thank goodness I didn't have that belief system because I didn't. Um, I just started doing the work and that was what was important to me. But like, I realized that as I'm building this business, that I would write these things called one page action plans. So it would just be, it would take, it would be taking one issue, one goal, one thing and reverse engineering the steps it was going to take be able to to get that one thing done. Now you can do this with big, monumental, life changing things, as you said. So, like for me, that would probably be writing that book. That was the single biggest dream, and it was never on my menu. So the concept of a menu is that you can't have something in life if you never even put it on your menu. So let's say, for example, um, I'll give you an example of something that is not on my menu. Right. It is not on my menu to be a movie star or a pop star. Oh, drat. Yeah, it's not on my menu. <laughs> um, 
At one point, it was not on my menu to be a best-selling author. So you can't even choose from something if it's not on your menu. So the first thing is you have to put it on your menu. You have to walk into the restaurant that has that on the menu. Okay. So I had to change a belief system to be able to do that. So in order, cause the menu is really just a metaphor of what you believe is possible and you cannot believe something's possible if it's not part of your menu of items. Okay. So what was on my menu? Oh, I could be abused. Um, you know, life headed towards tragedy or whatever. If that's what's on my menu, that's what I'm choosing from. You know, then you begin to adjust your menu. Then once you have the menu set, you choose that item. So say you choose the market price item, which for me would be writing a book. Then you take that item and you you write that reverse engineered one page action plan. So for me, that could be looking completely differently. Um, Like I started going to writer's workshops. I decided to uh, go to a Hay House writer's workshop. I decided to enter a contest. I decided to do all of the things that I needed to do in order to um, make that order, right? It was on the menu. I picked it. And then I, and then I made it happen. And so we can all do this by writing a one page action plan, because believe it or not, the power is not necessarily that you have a plan. The power is in writing the plan and the exercise or the, the things that your brain and your neural pathways go through while you're actually writing the plan. Because then what happens is the things on your plan begin to show up in your life. So here's something on my, my menu, Oprah. I mean, Oprah doesn't have a show anymore, but she has a podcast. You could still pull it off. She has a lot of things, right? And I would just write Oprah, 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 like all the time. Just write, like, I'm just writing Oprah. I have this mad passion. I know every female loves Oprah, but for whatever reason, I'd love her extra special. (laughs) And so what happened to me two weeks ago, I met the executive producer of the Oprah Winfrey show. Nice. That is nice, right? And it doesn't mean and it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't have to mean anything. But see, it's evidence that I put Oprah on my menu, right? I didn't say, oh, I'm going to be on the Oprah show, a show that doesn't even exist. But I put that on my menu. Yeah, I wanted to be the first nice. male fly girl, so whatever, it's all good. That's the in living color is long gone. <laughs> but see, you have the you have that on the menu. And that represents something, okay? And then I'm making choices and I'm moving through life in such a way that one day I show up at an event and little do I know that I'm in an event with 20 women and one of them happens to be the executive producer of the Oprah Winfrey Show, who, by the way, um, told me that listening to my story actually brought tears to her eyes. Now, this woman's heard everybody's story, right? Right, Because she is like the power behind the Oprah show. She's heard everybody's story, but, but that, but see, there's something important. There's an important synchronicity for me to hear that, for me to see that, for me to feel that feedback that is going to be important for me somewhere later on. And I don't know what it is. And it may not even involve Oprah and it doesn't even matter. No, when it doesn't. you put that market price item on your menu, man, sometimes the a la carte stuff, <laughs> is the best thing ever. Oh, I love that. Yeah, because the way I think of it as you're marshalling all of the functions of your brain to, to do 
to act on your behalf. We tend to think that we are just this conscious thinking part, but there is so much happening. That's like not acknowledging that you have a stomach that's doing a job, even though you're not consciously thinking about what your stomach is doing. Your brain is the same way. Your brain is doing trillions of things. I mean, that may be an exaggeration. I don't know. Someone who knows biology and neurochemistry, please tell me how accurate that is. But even if it was hundreds of things, that's way more than you're conscious of. And so you are effectively, by making a plan, by putting something on the menu, you are refocusing to go back to your focus, your focus, belief, chemistry. Now you're putting all of those things together because you're saying, hey, this is something I want to aim for or this is important to me. I want to land somewhere in this sphere. You know, I'm going to draw a circle on a map and I'm going to, you know, propel myself in that, in that general vicinity. And, and that's really that's really the point of it. I mean, there's also the added benefit, I think, when we talk about the action being greater than beliefs, that when you take a planned action, there's even more oomph, because now you're starting to believe that you can co-create the reality that you want, because we're not in control of everything, right? It's like, I'm going to be on the Oprah show, and then the Oprah show gets canceled. Well, now you don't have control of that. You know, I was going to co-teach with my teacher for my, for my Toltec class. He was like, Ryan, I, I want you to co-teach with me. I was like, oh my God, this is the best opportunity ever. And then two months later, he goes, I'm not going to teach anymore. <laughs> And those things happen all for you and for a reason. You know, I would say like creating the one page action plan is type uh, tapping into the power of the below the surface iceberg. So, you know, the, the tip of the iceberg, that's, that's the power you can see putting it on the menu allows you to see that tip of the iceberg power. Writing that action plan is it's like, it's bringing up the entire iceberg. It's making you so powerful. And, um, this woman I met recently, and this, this I promise will be the last point that I make. This woman is writing a book, or maybe she's already written it. And I, um, you know, it's not out yet, so titles can change. But I believe she told me it's called The Six Principles. And of course, I was like, well, what are The Six Principles? And this is a woman that has one of these stories where she brought herself back from incurable, um, an incurable brain cancer, brain tumor. Okay. So I don't want to get all into the details of her story because I don't know them well enough, but one of the six principles really fascinated me. And it was that we have the infinite intelligence of the entire universe in every cell in our body. Hmm. Now, when she first said that, it was like, hmm, that's a really big statement to make there, honey. <laughs> you think about, okay, <laughs> but think about this. Each cell of our body contains DNA. DNA is, I don't even remember, what is it, six miles long? Uh, what something is it? crazy. I don't remember. Like numbers we can't even comprehend into the freaking trillions. Mm. So I thought, you know what? I have a feeling that that's correct, that because each one of our cells has the entire genetic code in our DNA, and this is not just based on like my life here as Mary Shores, but that DNA is built of every ancestor I've ever had to lead me on both sides of my family, to lead me to this moment, to this lifetime, to this power, and everything that every one of my ancestors has ever experienced is encoded into that DNA. I really believe that. I know we don't know everything about DNA, but I'm mm -hmm. telling you, it's some freaky powerful stuff mm -hmm. going on in that DNA. So you know what? I chose to believe her in that moment. I chose to believe that I hold myself infinite intelligence in every part of my body. Mm 
And then I got a little crazy with it because I was like, you know what? And then when I eat good food, that food also has DNA, which means it has infinite intelligence in its body. And I'm consuming infinite intelligence every time I eat something good, not Kit Kats. <laughs> and it has a version of infinite intelligence, perhaps, but. Right. It's the clogging kind. But here's my point. The moment I believed that, right, the moment I really understood, then there was no question that I can create anything that I want to create because my cells, my DNA already knows how to do that. We already know how to do everything. It's just getting our consciousness to catch up with what our subconscious already knows, believes, and knows is possible because we all know we can reach our highest potential. Just none of us know how in the heck to do it. And we make it overcomplicated. So like you write your one page action plan and what you're doing is you're tapping into that innate infinite intelligence that already exists within you. And it's allowing you to access that power. And I, I, I love that. So for me, these three journal exercises all kind of lead kind of naturally into the other that if you if you're able to start to rewrite your perception of your barrier beliefs by doing the 100 things I love about me exercise that puts you in a position to then examine the ratio of the positivity to positivity and negativity for lack of better terms in the choices that you're making or rather aligned choices and unaligned choices because you have a clearer picture of who you are and what you want and then from there you're able to kind of create this menu and choose some things that would generally be good for you and in alignment with you and with like the deeper you is what i mean by that i mean because again we can define ourselves all sorts of ways, but whether it's Tawanda or whoever else, we're able to take these, these powerful parts of ourselves, these parts that when we feed, we feel good and not in some kind of bullshit, oh, I'm the best kind of way, but in a genuinely grounded, I am capable way. And, and now by making this one page action plan, by reverse engineering how to get to this point, uh, we get to live it. I mean, people talk about manifestation, actualization. Like, I don't think of it in some like, and suddenly, uh, you know, whatever, a book appeared in my life. But rather, I was able to take these action steps to become an author, to write the book, and there's the book. It may feel as if by magic when you look back on it, but there were these concerted steps, shifts, changes that you made because really thoughts in my mind can be actions. Changing your thought is, is like, is taking an action that, that lead us to this much better place. Beliefs are so powerful. And you know, I, I watched a, I watched a series on the history channel. I think it was called the men who built America and it had stories about like Rockefeller, um, Carnegie. Oh, Roosevelt, like the big ones, you know, the big, industry like america changing concepts you know all these guys kind of came from nothing they were the type of people who were immigrants maybe they were on the street at six years old but everything in their life because you know what we do now is we look at somebody who came from nothing and we think they're disadvantaged you know that they're they're most advantaged people you know why because through their early childhood development, they were figuring shit out that yeah. like most of us don't figure out until we're 35. Mm -hmm. And they, they had to learn that when they're six. So if you're like me and you're feeling like your past has to equal your future, understand that the most successful people in, in the history of our country 
were the disadvantaged. They were. It's, it's, it's like the best training to overcome obstacles. When you've overcome all that, you know, when you have overcome all that tragedy, you are building into yourself this incredible resilience, strength, power, etc. that then you can leverage to do these powerful things. And so it's, it's really interesting talking about privilege because sometimes privilege gives you these amazing things and sometimes privilege limits you because you don't actually know how to overcome, which is why I, when I was a teacher, I was always hammering to any, any other teacher, any parent who would listen, you need to help your child increase their resilience. Don't make everything cushy. I'm not mm -hmm. saying torture your child. I'm not saying abuse your child. I'm saying right now you're taking away natural consequences. Let the kid make a mistake and feel the consequence of the mistake. That's how they will learn much more effectively and much more quickly instead of developing the sense of entitlement. It's like th this, this is the power of choosing discomfort because most of us are gonna choose comfort. This, this is the power of choosing discomfort because now you build resilience, now you develop skills and tools, and now you can live those dreams that you want to live, that until you choose discomfort, you can't live them. That's the cost. That's the cost well, of living this, this powerful way is choosing discomfort. You'll be, you'll be happy to know that a social worker got a hold of my book and she was a social worker that was working with um, underprivileged inner city children. That was her student population that she was in charge of. And what she told me was when she started the, the work with them from the book, they were only like her entire student population was only at an 8% passing rate. And that was in March. Wow. And then um, by May, the end of the semester, 96% passing rate. Oh my God. That's so awesome. I know it's still, it actually, I did a, I did a Facebook live with her. Her name's Amy because I was actually just so blown away because you know, that was an application I had actually never thought of. You know, mm. I, I use these applications in a lot of business and a lot of personal development uh, type events. Never had I considered using it with uh, children who were coming from a troubled place. And she totally saw the parallel between like the shame and unworthiness yeah. that the, the people that have a debt go through. And she saw that manifesting in this student population that she was working with. And she just started with the three basics of like what's in the introductory chapter, which is like that whole business communication strategy that I developed. And she changed, but see, this is the thing. Like, that change is permanent. So that 96% of those kids who realize that they can pass, that's going to be, when they look back at their lives, it's going to be like a turning point and some way that they felt differently and started to accomplish and attain things. So, um, I mean, the whole, everything that's going on with our children could probably be another five hour show. Oh God, easily. I mean, as it is, <laughs> I've already kept you 15 minutes past when we said we were going to end. And that was a half an hour past when I was hoping to let you go because I know you wanted to go <laughs> get some lunch. So I feel a little bad, but I'm so glad that we got to chat today. And, and it, I really feel like we're going to have to uh, do this again. Uh, if, no, we certainly not, can. If, if not directly about the content in your book, I'm sure we have a lot of other stuff to discuss. So thank you so, so very much for hanging out today. I really appreciate it. My absolute pleasure. It was amazing to see you again. Awesome. Like the show? Consider subscribing through my Patreon at patreon.com slash lifecoachingwithryan. You'll get early access to shows and potentially a host of other rewards. Want more? You can also find me streaming on Twitch at twitch.tv slash lifecoachingwithryan. 
where I play some games and I continue the conversation. I'm pretty active on Instagram. You can find me at instagram.com slash educate for the number four underscore life. That's where I do my book club. I record the book club episodes live on Mondays and then I post them to IGTV. Later, I post them on YouTube. See you next time.